You staying home tonight? I hadn't planned on it, no. Plan on it. <laughs> Minus five, four, three, two, one. Booster ignition and liftoff of Discovery. You're gonna die. I'm Raymond Arroyo. We'll see you next time. All right, here we go. Starting the episode. Uh, our thanks to Catherine Whitaker for uh, for this bottle opener, the Popener here. It has Pope Benedict and Pope Paul, Pope John Paul II on it. So, two of the heavy hitters there. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the show. This is The Show with Edmund Mitchell. This is a solo episode. It's just me here. Just me here in my house where I eat my food. Where people sleep and keep and keep their equipment. So I've been wanting to do a solo episode like this for a long time. Um, I just I've wanted to get on and rant a little bit. So we got a good episode prepared here. I'm a little more prepared, Ian. Thank you very much. Uh, this time I'm a little more prepared, but today we're talking about surviving your 20s. That's what I want to talk about. Um, I'm sharing this on Facebook. You should go follow our page, uh, the show with Edmund, facebook.com slash the show with Edmund Mitchell. That's where you should go uh, follow that. Um, you should also follow us on uh, YouTube and whatever. You, you know where all the places are. Oh, one of the announcements I wanted to get out is... Um, I wanted to say thank you to a new uh, Patreon sponsor. And we're going to go to it right here. Patreon.com slash the show with Edmund Mitchell. Um, and we have a new Patreon sponsor that we want to thank. Oh, my gosh. All this login stuff. All these all these problems we're running into here. All the tech problems. So what I, what I wanted to do today is I wanted to talk about uh, surviving your twenties. I just wanted to cover just some advice. Um, I'm not an expert, but I am 30 and I remember what it was like to be 20. And I just want to, I want to document this. I want to document, uh, being 30 now and reflecting back on my twenties and share a little bit, a little bit of insider advice. Um, so just think of me as, as your cool, but kind of young, younger uh uncle uncle ed so if you're in your 20s i want to talk to you but i'm really just talking to me in my from my 20s and what i wish um what i wish someone would have told me things people would have told me things i wish i wouldn't have worried so much about advice i wish i would have um heard so here we go uh, oh man man this they make, patreon makes it so hard to find the information you need here we go Shout out to uh, Brian Hendricks. Brian Hendricks recently came on as a Patreon sponsor. And I just want to say thank you, Brian. Um, you too can support the show. Get your name in the show notes, which everyone wants to be in the show notes. So, yeah, man, being 20 is hard. Oh, the other thing, if you're tuning in live here or on Facebook or on Instagram, you can drop your phone number in the comments. Drop your phone number in the comments and uh, and we'll do a call in. We'll do a live call in. You can ask questions. You can just we can just chat. You can talk to me. Um, hopefully we have uh, you know at least one. I think we have at least one call in. 
that we're planning. So um, let's just get into the show, guys. What I wanted to start out with is being 20. What does it feel like to be 20? When you're 21, when I was 21, I just graduated college. And yeah, 21, I graduated college. Within two weeks of graduating college, I had, I got married. Two weeks after two weeks after that, I think we moved across the country to Toledo, Ohio. Um, then we started my first my first ever job, my first ever like my first ever opportunity to live with someone else. <laughs> That was a weird way to put it. That was such a strange... Sorry. I need to focus in here. Focus, guys. It was my first time living uh, married. That's the weird, weirdest way to put that. I was living married. Um, first job, old lady. Hurricane Hamrick on Instagram saying old lady. Um, anyways, being 20. What is being... I've been trying to think about this all day. What does being 20 feel like? Being 20 feels kind of like... Uh, like you have, you have the emotional and physical energy of a, of a, um, of like a teenage, uh, um, like a Spanish terrier. You're just like, you're really loud. You're really excited. Um, and you're out in the world and you're just everything's like everything's a small rodent you know every every uh, what yeah everything's just you're you're just like you're in it you're in life you're in you're in the world um the thing that's weird though is, is that and for me i just recently realized this is that after i turned after i turned 30 i realized that i was doing this weird thing um this weird thing all throughout my 20s you know, someone was saying in the in the live chat, you know, early twenties, you definitely feel like a little bit of a Spanish terrier of some type, some type maybe. But even though, um, even though you definitely mature throughout your definitely mature t- throughout your twenties, I realized it wasn't until just recently um, that I was still viewing the world. I was still viewing the world as if uh, I was in school, like as if. Yeah, as if I was in school and there was an adult somewhere who had an who had the answer. I don't know. I so yeah, man. If you're when you're in your twenties, even though you're living on your own, you're paying your own bills. You know, you're out of college. You're trying to figure out. Uh, you're trying to figure out how to do life, and you still feel like someone someone has it all together. Or you still feel like there are you look around at these adults around you, your coworkers, uh, people, yeah, people at your job, people you meet out in the world, people at your church, and and quite rightly, the people around you are putting a lot of pressure on you to get your crap together, man. Uh, you know, everyone, you get in your twenties, and either internally yourself or the people around you. You know, you, the the general sense you get as a young 20-year-old out in the world on your own, um, the general sense, I don't know why, but Facebook Live is just not having it today. That's fine. Whatever. The The general sense you get in your 20s is that the whole world is like, would you just get your crap together? Would you just, would you just figure out how to show up and and dress 
appropriately. You know, it's just everyone. And people aren't saying it. People aren't always saying it explicitly. Uh, sometimes it's just they don't even. It, they, people over 30, they can't even. They can't uh, stop it from happening. It's just in their face. It's just in their face. Like, you know, you're you're under 30 and you're like, you know what? I think I might really start investing in the stock market. And immediately people who are over 30, they just have this like, you know, or they just, there's just this like, nah, mm. and, uh, you know, it's not always intentional, but it's just this kind of general sense of like, get your crap together, get it together. Uh, and it's not always great. It's not good. And I'm going to talk about, you know, the things to, you know, ways to deal with that, um, that I wish I would have been told, uh, when I was younger, but, um, I volunteer for a call in to further discuss. Yes. Cassie, put in your phone number in the comments and I'll give you a call. I'll write it down and and give you a call. So in your twenties, you feel like this crazy, you know, you got the emotional and physical, uh, and mental energy and, and, and brain firings of a Spanish terrier on illicit drugs on a weekend in Panama city beach, Florida. It's during spring break. That's what's going on in here. And, um, but out there, you kind of feel like, like you've seen other people adulting and you're trying it for the first time. Uh, and, and it's not until you turn 30 that you realize, Hey, wait a minute. And you kind of feel this internally. Like you feel like, wait, like people are trying to give me advice or people, there's a lot of pressure to act a certain way. And you, you're resisting that a little bit in your twenties. You're resist, you're resisting the internal narratives you're resisting the external, like, why don't you just show up on time for one? You know, like, and that's valid. People, like, the world needs to needs to give you that pressure. Uh, sorry, I'm just writing down this phone number. Thanks for putting in the phone number, Cassie. Give you a call in a second here. Um, people are giving you all that pressure, right? And I'm going to talk about that, you know, what I wish someone had told me. That's what it feels like when you're in your 20s. When you're in your 20s, uh, you, you always feel like, Someone's gonna someone's gonna come in the front door at any moment, and just be like, "Hey guys, playtime's over. Like enough with the messing around." You know, like you just have that feeling all the time. I remember, I remember sitting in my office. You know, the door is closed, and I'm sitting in my office in my first job, and I'm just like, "Surely at some point, someone's gonna come in here and say, "Hey, uh, you did your best. You did your best. You're out, man. You're out. You're out of the game." We're tapping you get back on the bench you know some people go to some people go back to college because they want to be back on the bench they get in the game and they're like man this this is uh this is intense and it's not so much that it's intense i mean like living is intense sure like and you feel that in college but then you get out in the world and you know i don't think people prepare you enough for the mental intensity of being on your own because I don't think, and this is just my opinion, you know, take it for what you will. Like we're, I mean, we're a homeschool family where we're trying to homeschool, you know, we're definitely li- living a very different, I guess, life. So my perspective is that throughout, and, and I think my parents did a great job of preparing me for life. Uh, but a lot of times we don't, we, I don't think we give people enough opportunity to fail Maybe that's like a white privilege thing. Maybe that's just because I I was so sheltered and and maybe some people have really failed really awfully and wish that someone was there to protect them from that. But I think 
you know, there's two ends to the spectrum, and I think uh, either people are just left completely on their own. Uh, you know what? The, the bigger thing is just having someone come in and say, hey, look, man, it's going to be all right. Um, I don't want to go too deep into that because I, I want to run down my tips in a little bit. But that's what it feels like to be 20. That's what it feels like. You feel, for those of you just joining the Instagram TV, the Instagram, uh, the Instagram Live, we're taking live call-ins about surviving your 20s. Put your uh, number in the comments if you have a comment, if you want to call in, talk about what it feels like to be 20, uh, if you have co- you know questions about being 20. Um, so we're going to get to that. Here's Okay, so let's get into the tips a little bit. Let's get into some of the tips. This is my first tip, okay? Or my the, like what I wish someone would have told me, what I wish I could have understood in my 20s, okay? And it's going off of a little bit about, about how you feel, right? And this happened to me recently, okay? Um... We, like at our at our at my job, there's a there's a staff room. You know, like there's the staff kitchen area, and um, this was just my perception. Now I don't know if this is entirely true, but this was my perception of the staff kitchen. I didn't realize, and maybe again, maybe I'm, I'm privileged, and maybe my parents uh, did didn't make me do enough chores and stuff. But um, I didn't realize that my perception. <laughs> As a naive, stupid, still kid on the inside, throughout all of my 20s, my perception was that someone is taking care of the staff room. Like, someone's taking care of it. Um, I, would, you know, I wasn't exactly sure. who. If you would have asked me, like, who takes care of it, I would have been like, I don't know, maybe our facilities guy or maybe the business manager or maybe, I don't know. Like, some, someone's probably, I don't know. Like, it, it just seemed like things were working before I got here. And so obviously there's some type of rule in place or there's some type of shared <laughs> common understanding. Um, and I didn't really get the memo on that. I didn't really get the, um, I didn't really get the handbook. I probably did get a handbook to be honest, but I didn't, I didn't necessarily read it. Let's take a drink of coffee. I feel like I didn't really get the handbook on how all of this stuff was supposed to work. Uh, so then it was just recently I walked into the I walked into the staff room and there were there's a few things over the last 5 years there's a few things in the fridge or or around the staff room that had been bothering me for 5 years these things have been bothering me but I just assumed like someone understands why these things are here someone has the rule book someone some adult I'm a freaking adult I have I have 5 kids I'm an adult I I own a home I have 5 kids I probably have a 401k. I don't know for sure if I do, but I probably have one. I don't know how much more adulting I can be. I mean, the only, th- the only other thing that would make me more adulting would probably, I mean, a watch, a watch was probably the last thing that I was like really holding off on. And now I have a, now I have a stinking watch. You know, it'd make me more, the only other thing that made me, what would make me more adulting? I mean, I am, I am an, I've, I'm an adult. I'm 30 years old. I have five kids. I pay a mortgage. I pay bills. I pay bills that I don't understand. That's the other thing they don't tell you when you're a kid is that most adults, like you get this feeling because when people treat you like a kid, you don't even realize it. Even in your, even when you're 25, you don't realize that people are treating you like a kid. You just think that they totally understand everything. People in their 30s also don't have a clue, okay? Other people in their 30s also don't have a clue, Sometimes they just take out, sometimes we just take out 
our frustration with not having a clue, we take out that frustration on other people who are younger than us that we perceive have less of a clue and maybe aren't serious enough of the fact that they don't have a clue. But we don't have a clue. I don't know. I'm speaking on behalf of an entire decade. But uh, what's up, Ann Krebs? I'm doing a live call-in show. If you want to throw your phone number in, uh, I'm, taking, I'm taking live call-ins about surviving your 20s. I'm sharing some, sharing some advice, some tips with the, with, the, with the youths. I can't believe I freaking said that. I, I told myself, in my head, I thought that would be funny. That was not funny. See, I'm in my 30s. Anyways, we got to keep going here. Otherwise, Ian's going to be very upset at how sporadic and unstructured un, uh, this episode is. That's how you feel. So I walk in the staff room. And I was just like, you know what? People are really messy around here. I'm going to clean some stuff up. And this feeling came up, this like feeling of empowerment of like, you know what? If I clean this stuff up, no one can do anything about it. Because, you know, there is nobody in charge, really. There's not really, like, we're all just sharing this space. And I realized, I realized a very important thing that everyone, well, the phone number, uh, Christian, just drop your phone number in the comments, uh, or you, yeah, just drop your phone number in the comments, and I'll and I'll give you a call. I'll write it down and give you a call when it, when I, when we get a chance if you want to call in. I realized no one's in charge of the staff kitchen. We're all sharing it, and the reason people get upset about the staff kitchen being a certain way is because they used to be twenty two, not twenty two. They used to be twenty as well, and when they were twenty. They had the same, when they turned 30, they had the same realization where they went, oh my goodness, no one's taking care of the staff kitchen. And so they started doing things. And I saw myself, you know, I've, I realized I was starting to organize things and clean things like this should be this way. Someone needs to clean this stuff up. Someone should wipe this microwave. And uh, I realized that's what I was doing. And I went, oh my goodness, this is how you become, you know, a 50 year old. At, at, a, at a job <laughs> who's complaining to everyone about the microwave. This is how those signs get put up. It's someone who used to be 30 is now 50 and has been doing that for, for 10 or 15 years. That's how it begins is that transition into like, I need to, I need to take control here because <laughs> no one is. And I wish I would have understood that in my 20s because I was still 28 years old and I felt like, the people around me who were kind of taking control, I felt like they were the real adults. Deep down, I, I was treating them as if they have, ever, they, they have the handbook on adulting that I didn't receive. They, have the, they got the information somehow. Um, so anyways, let's do, a, let's do a call. That's what I wish I would have told myself. You know, I wish I would have said, look, all these people in their 30s and their 40s who, who are giving you crap for not having everything together – like you, you, you need to, you need to listen. You need to listen and not listen to what they're saying. Like listen to what they're saying, but also realize like, don't feel bad. Like they don't, they, they just have a little more together. But what, but when you're in your thirties and you're in your four, like you still don't feel like you have it together. All right, let's get a call in here. We're going to call, uh, we're going to call Cassie here. Oh, let me write down Christian's number. If you're just joining the Instagram live, we're doing a call-in show about surviving your 20s. If you have a comment or question, um, Christian, going to give you a call. If you have a comment or question, if you're just joining the Instagram, we're having a call-in show about surviving your 20s. So here we go. We're going to let's. Uh, hopefully, we're connected here. We're going to call 
Cassie, here we go. Five, there we go. Not going to say her number out loud. Hopefully she can hear me when we call. Hi, you reached Cassie. Cassie! I can't the phone now, so leave a message and I'll call you back. Thanks. Cassie. Oh my goodness. Please record your message. We're going to leave a message for Cassie. Finished recording. You may hang up or press one for more options. Cassie, I called you. You left your number and I called you. You missed your shot. Okay. I hope you're having a good time being in your, being in your twenties. You're probably in your twenties. This is probably why you're being irresponsible with your phone. You know, if you're going to commit to things, you need to show up, Missy. If you're going to commit, that's stupid. That's stupid. Don't listen to that. Anyways. Uh, thanks, Cassie. Talk to you later. Bye. Okay. We had another person that, uh, Christian, we're going to call Christian. Christian, if you, um, hopefully you're here. Okay. Hopefully this is Christian's number. You thought it was a scam call, Cassie. Cassie says she thought it was a scam call. Hello. Hey, hello. This is Edmund. You're on the show with Edmund Mitchell. Edmund, how's it going, man? Love the show. Love the podcast, man. Oh, Christian, thank you so much. You're so nice. How are you doing, man? Good. I just finished work right now, so I'm driving home, uh, and I saw you were live. So I was like, all right, I'm in for a wild time. Let's go. Dude, that's wonderful, man. That's wonderful. How old are you, Christian? Everyone wants to know, how old are you? Edwin, I am 22. I am fresh in my 20s. Oh, you're so fresh, man. <laughs> my question for you. Yeah. So I know you're a recent, or not, maybe not recent, no offense, but I know you're a Franciscan grad. Yeah. Um, and I am a rising senior at Franciscan University. Okay. My question is, uh, how do you transition properly from any university into the real world? Um, into finding a job or that transitionary period where you're like, okay, I have to pay my student loans off. Yeah. Um, and I got to find a job, but am I ready to get my career job yet? Or am I going to get my transitional job first? So I can kind of, you know, stay afloat with the student loans and just monthly rent or whatever it may be. So are you at Franciscan Um, right now? Yes. I finished my first year. I'm a transfer student. You finished your um, first year there. Yeah, it was my first year. I went in as a junior. Okay, cool. And then what what are you majoring in? Mathematics with a minor in theology. You know, I wanted to maybe think about the youth ministry track, but also have a backup plan just in case, you know. Yeah, and like what are you what are you thinking? So youth ministry, but like where where's your heart? Where's your passion? Where's like what would you love to do? Yeah, I would love to absolutely do youth ministry and young adult ministry. Yeah. I'm in California, Southern California. Okay. Um, shout out to all the Southern California Franciscan students. So Cal! And uh, there's, a, <laughs> there's a great young adult community out here. I'm going to name drop a bunch of cool events. Um, Andrew Laubacher does some great stuff. That oh, yeah. I haven't seen in a while, but I'd love to see it back. A-Lob. Uh, David Calavita, Mass Underground, love that. Ooh. But just this community of young adults and just, like, great youth ministers. I want to shout out Francis Cabildo, yeah. Chris Mueller, Vincent Campo, yeah. Uh, just great youth ministers that are, um, yeah, really paving the way for new youth ministry and new evangelization. So, look, um, you, you, know, you know all these amazing people in SoCal, where you're from. So what's the option? Mm-hmm. The option is either go into, like, what's the career versus just pay the bills? Like, what's what's the hang-up there? Well, it's, 
you know, it's difficult. There's the thought process, which, um, you know, I've had good conversations with a couple of my friends of our Franciscan about is that you kind of got to go into like your transitional youth ministry job. If you want to go into youth ministry, yeah, so it may not be your career youth ministry job. But you got to go into that transitional youth ministry job. Maybe you're the middle school minister or maybe you're the, um, office intern or whatever it may be. You yeah. got to get that transitionary job, kind of get your feet, you know, uh, you know, get your feet wet into the ministry. Um, and then, you know, comes the hard part. I don't know where, when that happens for most people, but, um, having to like establish yourself, you know, and like, yeah. um, you know, buy a house or, you know, start a family or, you know, find that career job, whatever that may be. So what, it, what, um, it, what, what would you, what do you want to do? What do you feel like you could do? I mean, it, it sounds like if, if everyone was giving you that advice and you thought that was good advice and you felt comfortable with that, you'd be like, oh yeah, sure. I'll just. I'll just go, I'll work with some of these other youth ministers and learn a lot and then move out. But it, it sounds like part of you is like, well, maybe I won't be able to pay the bills or maybe I should just, you know what, forget them. I'm going to do this on my own. Like what, is that kind of the, the hang up? No, yeah, that definitely is the hang up. Um, it's almost like you've been spying on my conversation with my parents. Oh, um, yeah. When I went into Franciscan and telling them I would love to be a youth minister, they would say, well, like, you know, look at the youth ministers in the area, how much do they make, you know, every year. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a range anywhere from 30,000 to, you know, 50,000 in SoCal area. Um, and then they go, well, do you think you could support a family off of that in the Southern California area? And, you know, you, you maybe, you know, live in paycheck to paycheck. I don't know how that is. I'd have to ask more of my youth ministry friends, but you know, it'd be great to be able to go and have this amazing job like youth ministry. And, yeah. you know, you go hang out with kids or you hang out with young adults and you do have the hard part, which is answering emails, doing insurance forms and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but to be honest, if I, in a perfect world, I'd love to be a young adult minister or a youth minister uh, and go straight in, you know, yeah. um, just dive straight into the, my career youth ministry job and be there for however long, you know, uh, anywhere between five, 15 years, 20 years, you know? Well, um, well, let me, let me tell you what I did. And I don't know if this is the right advice, but this is what, this is what I did. Um, I did, <laughs> okay. I did probably everything, right? Like I did all the different, I've tried all the different choices that you've kind of said. So I went straight out of front. Like my parents told me, okay, if you're going to go into youth ministry, you're going to be poor. So I, I thought I'm not going to make any money. Um, we're going to be super poor. So I kind of like had, you know, com- uh, confronted that, that, that was what I thought. So, and I also thought for some reason, I'm just going to go off and get my own youth ministry job and learn how to do this from the ground up. And so I got both of those things. I got a job, um, an entry level youth ministry position at a parish that didn't have a very big youth ministry program. And I was not getting paid. I was not getting paid hardly anything. Now, Later, uh, I ended up hiring a youth minister under me and I've seen other youth ministers do the route, like other middle school ministers, you know, moved to a different parish where I was getting paid more and, um, you know, started having youth ministers under me and watching them go through the track that you're kind of mentioning. And I would say two things. I would say when I started valuing myself as someone worth paying a living salary, I think that's around the time that my salary increased Um, both at my first job where I went into my pastor and I was like, look, like I have big plans for this ministry. Like I don't want to just be 
like I don't want this to be my my victory lap out of college and just be like a part time pizza delivery guy here at this parish. Like I want to do big things here. And I started and I had to like back it up with what I was doing professionally. Like I had to start treating my job differently, um, having bigger plans for the ministry and stuff. And then, um, when I moved to Texas, when I was looking for jobs here, I just went in with the understanding that like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to ask for a lot and I'm going to really, and I'm going to really try to, um, try to treat my job. Like what, what, how would I have to act as a youth minister to get paid more, you know? Um, so that's the first thing, like the first kind of advice or first thing that I experienced was when I started acting differently about my job, people started recognizing that and, and more and more people were willing, you know, priests were like reaching out, wanting me to go work at their parish, partially because I think, uh, and, and other youth ministers I know who treated the job much more seriously. Um, and then the other thing though, that I would say is that if if you do have the time uh, and the ability or the the interest in learning from someone, I do think I would have progressed much quicker as a professional youth minister had I very um, very intentionally picked someone I highly respected and worked for them for five five or six years and then launched out. But I would have been really smart about picking a youth minister to work under who wasn't just like a who had a bigger vision for youth ministry than just like, oh, yeah, we're just doing some weekly things. And like, hopefully some kids come to Jesus. Um, Mm. I think those are two really two. I mean, it's it. I think there's no right answer. I think you really have to just pray through it and figure out. So so I think the the um, the fear that you won't be able to make it or that uh, do I want to start paying my bills or not? I think maybe for now until, until you go out and try to find a bunch of jobs and a bunch of jobs just are turning you down. I wouldn't settle for like a lower paying job. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, kind, it, it's kind of difficult because it's like you get some parishes that unfortunately do see youth ministry, not really as a high paying job. Yeah. And they won't yeah. offer a high paying job. And then you get some other youth ministries that are like, no, we're, we would love to have you come in. We're more than willing to work with you. We want to give you an appropriate yeah. paycheck, you know? And, uh, yeah, do, it's tough. It's like, okay, do, like never settle, you know? Do you, do you serious, like, are you, um, are you bound to Southern California? I mean, Southern California is pretty big. There's a lot of parishes in Southern California, I bet. Well, you know, they say the places to go is either SoCal or Texas, right? It's yeah. Ministry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Texas right now is probably better because it's a little uh, lower uh, living cost than Southern California. But, of course, it's like wherever God sends you, you know, you go out there. And if that's where you're called to go do ministry, and you're called to do ministry there. And, well, uh, well, how many how, found it so far? Yeah, how many, how many years left do you have in, uh, in college? One more year. Okay, one more year. This is what I would do. I would, I would just audit all of the, I would audit a bunch of the parishes that you see as having either someone you want to work under, but also a parish that might potentially pay you well and audit some parishes that you could go in entry level, but maybe a neighboring parish has a youth ministry that you really respect. And just, and I would, I would just, um, yeah, I would start reaching out and just saying like, like, what do you guys pay? What, like, try to find what I guess what I'm trying to say is try to find parishes that are paying youth ministers well. Either reach out to some youth ministers in the area or some of these parishes that you respect and say, "Hey, look, I'm looking for I'm looking for a job. I'm looking for I'm doing some research. 
you know, what are, what's kind of like the going salaries around here. But until you try to interview at like 10 parishes and all of them say you're asking too high of a salary, I think don't settle, man. I think, I think the sad, yeah, the saddest thing for me is when someone is there, there's two years into a youth ministry position and they're coming to me saying, I am not getting paid enough. And I'm like, well, you accepted the job. Why'd you accept the job? You know, like, do not, do not accept when you accept the job because you think, well, maybe I won't get another job offer anywhere else. Like you have to have the abundance mindset, right? Like you're a smart guy. You're, you're going to be a good youth minister. You have a degree, like you're going to have a degree related to the field. I think until you have 20 positions that are all telling you, you know what, we're, we're, you're just, you're, you're too expensive. I say like, just go for it. Shoot, shoot for it. You know? Mm, yeah. No, I think that's great advice, Evan. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, dude. Hopefully that helps, man. Um, we're starting a Catholic Youth Ministry podcast too, so uh, you're gonna have to keep checking in with us when we um, when we start that podcast up, and and you'll just keep checking in with everyone, telling everyone what you've learned. Mm, I will. I will. I'll be looking out for that podcast. All right. Sounds good, man. Thanks for calling in, Christian. Thank you. Bye. Talk, talk to you later. Bye. Christian's the man. Okay. The problem we have right now is that people can't hear. The call in, so I'm gonna fix that right now. Okay, everyone, hold on. I'm gonna put, I'm gonna put some. Uh, here we go. That was a great question, Christian. It was a little bit of a youth ministry question, but that's fine. It's my show. I can do what I want. So if you're just joining us, um, we're talking about surviving our 20s, and one of the big things about surviving your 20s is like career advice. Like, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna? Where are you gonna go? Uh, making those decisions is really hard. Here we go. I'm going to put some, I'm going to put, put these headphones here. Hopefully you'll be able to hear it. You'll be able to hear the call in. Here we go. Put out, put a monitor here. There we go. Turn three way up. How's that right there? Hello. Hello. I don't know. Hopefully you'll be able to hear the, uh, I don't know if that'll work. Um, Okay. All right, we're going to go to our next caller here. Oh, another advice for surviving your 20s, okay? This whole career thing. Um, I wish, especially while I was in college, I think while you're in college or right after you get out of college, I severely underestimated how easy it is to reach out to people and get mentorship, get advice, and mentorship can come in a lot of ways, right? Someone could send you an email. Someone could, you could read someone's book. You could, you could watch someone on Instagram. I mean, look, Christian just called in and got advice from me. Got, a, got 11 minutes on the phone right there. What I wish I would have spent a little more time on in college and right after college is reaching out to people I respected and asking them questions, asking them smart questions, not wasting their time, not calling and just saying like, oh, I don't really know what to do, but, but uh, doing some research, doing some work, figuring out what kind of question. It's, a, it's kind of a skill figuring out a, a, you know, a good question to ask. But I wish I would have um, – I remember at one point I emailed uh, Randy Rouse at Life Teen, and I said – this was like my second year of, of youth ministry – and this is just in general, surviving your 20s. I think, you, I think when you're in your 20s, you really, you think that people are hard to get in touch with. You think that people are, I mean, and people are busy. But the thing is, is that people in their 30s, 
uh, I mean, just people in general want to help. They want to give advice. They want to help. Now, the thing is, is that they're busy. So you have to be the type of person that someone likes helping or mentoring. And the type of person that someone likes mentoring or helping is someone that, one, asks good questions. So that means that you do the work ahead of time to figure out what kind of questions you need to ask. You do the work ahead of time to figure out a path that you're trying to go down. And then you ask good questions about, you know, what mistakes did you make? How could, how could I do this better? How do I, how do I hand, how do I tackle this? What am I not seeing? Um, those are really good questions. So you have to be someone who's willing to ask good questions. And the second thing you have to be willing, like showing people that you're going to go out and, and man, not, not just, not just follow the advice they give you, but double down. I mean, give like three times the effort on the advice that people give you. Like, Hey, you gave me this advice. I went and did that. Like you told me, uh, to write every day, uh, for 20 minutes for the past, for the past, uh, month I wrote every day for 40 minutes, you know, and then coming back and say, Hey, here's what I did. Here's how it helped. Here's, here's another question I have about this. Like if you can be, if you can do those two things, if you can ask good questions, you know, honor someone's time, but then also just show that you're, that you're getting after it, that you're, that you're doing stuff, man, people, I think you really underestimate in your early twenties, how easy it is to get in touch with someone you respect and admire and, and get some mentorship. And then the other thing is that mentorship also, I wish I would have um, offered more of my services in, in exchange for some mentorship. And what I mean by that is like, there was a lot of people I respected in a lot of different areas, you know, blogging, youth ministry, videography, uh, people online, stuff like that. I wish I would have spent more time. Either I would have gotten a job where I worked under someone or I wish I would have spent more time reaching out to someone saying, hey, uh, you run this, like, hey, you do this youth ministry program. Uh, I'm sure you need help with, um, like, what's a stupid, um, uh, you know, I'm sure you would love someone to just, like, fill up your uh, Instagram account with, like, more pictures or schedule out posts or something. Can I schedule out these posts for you? Can I do some, like, work for you in exchange? Can I talk to you on the phone? for like 45 minutes once a month and just ask you some questions or just, I wish I would have done more stuff. Try to try to do stuff like that. And you know what? You're going to get five or six people. You're going to get 10 people that are going to say, ah, I may, you know, I just don't have time for that or don't really know how to do that. But I think you would get, I mean, you would get people. I would do that hundred percent. If someone reached out to me and said, Hey, like I want to help you with some of this, some of this stuff. Can I do this? And then you give me some advice on it. I mean, there's, there's someone in my life right now that did that. They said, Hey, can I come over? I'll take notes about the podcast. Corey, I'll get, I'll just say the name. Corey is like, Hey, can I take notes about the podcast, help you set up? And in return, you just, just kind of show me what you're doing. Give me experience in this. I want to get into the video, the video game more. If you're just joining us on uh, on Instagram, we're doing a live call in show. I think Cassie here, Cassie here was going to call in. Let's see. Three, three. Sorry. I'm not going to say the phone number. Let's see if she picks up this time. Can you guys Hello? hear this? Hey, Cassie. Hi. Hey, Cassie. You're on the show with Edmund Mitchell. That's me. Hey, what's up? How are you doing, Cassie? I don't know if people on Instagram can hear you, but I'm trying to make it louder for them. But um, yeah, what's up? Thanks for calling in. I'm sorry we missed you earlier. 
Yeah, I'm sorry. It's <laughs> I was okay. Keep the line open for you. <laughs> so, what do you want to share? Tell us about yourself, and then what do you want to share? What do you want to share on the podcast? Uh, well, I just really when you were talking earlier about just like feeling like there's always that other adult. Yeah. That's gonna like tell you what to do, lead you the right direction. Like literally, that's my life. Like me and my friends talk about it all the time, and I'm 46. You're 46, and, and you still feel that way. I'm, I'm 26. Oh, you're 26. You're 26. <laughs> I'm 26. Um, and approaching 27, and I'm still like I sometimes. Some days I really feel like one of like I'm a youth minister. I feel like some of my teens sometimes. Like I feel like I am like. 19 yeah and totally not ready to be responsible for like you know like 50 teenagers and then yeah. like suddenly i am yeah <laughs> but i was like you know thankfully like my parents have been super wonderful as of late like i guess in the adulthood like parenting adults yeah they are really honest about just like no you're not gonna have it all figured out i still don't have it all figured out and that's often our conversations yes now. yes that's <laughs> so important like as i call to ask you know like is this meat in the fridge so good you know just like ridiculous questions that like i should know the answer to at this point in my lifetime yeah they're just like yeah well yep you know no it's not you should have thrown that out like a week ago but like you know, I still don't have this other thing figured out, you know, but that's but, fine. That's the thing though, is like, that's fine. Like that's what, that's why your parents are so great is like, I mean, you're going to be 36 and you're still going to be like, and, and, and for me, what I'm realizing is that I have so many emotions about my emotions. Does that make sense? So like you feel like you should know this and then you feel bad that you don't know this or, or maybe you right. feel you feel anxious about buying a home or you feel anxious about leading a group of kids. And then you feel bad that you feel, you feel guilty that you feel anxious because everyone right. else, everyone else around you looks like they, they have it all together. They totally understand what's going on. Right. And, and it's, like, this is your job. Yeah. Like this is the thing that's like your responsibility or like you're expected to do. Yeah. And then like, you're like, wait, how, when did that happen? Did yes. I? Yes. Did I and the thing is, is the thing is, is that one, Everyone's faking, even people that are in their 50s. (laughs) And here's the thing, too. I I really believe this. I think and I'm praying through this. Like, I think if I don't if I don't figure out how to be comfortable with my own emotions, if I don't figure out how to accept my emotions about things or accept my inadequacies now uh, and not feel guilty about not knowing something, then when I'm 60, I'm really going to feel bad. Right. So like, it never goes away. People are just good about faking it and people don't know and people get, you'll even notice that people will get insecure when you try to ask them questions. They'll be like, well, that's just not, you know, that's not important or well, well, you know what? Like, because they don't know because we don't know and it never, it never goes away. And so just being more gracious with yourself is what I'm trying to learn is like, I need to be more, yeah, I need to be more forgiving. Like, it's okay. You're okay. (laughs) You know, like those inadequacies. Yeah. And in fact, actually, like admitting you don't know things is a much quicker way to grow and learn and admitting that you don't know what you're doing and admitting like, yeah, like, come on, you know, and I think actually it makes older people feel uncomfortable because they're like, why aren't you faking like I am? (laughs) Right. No. And I think like I I think the other thing, too, is like being okay with 
your previous plan not being the plan that worked out. Oh my gosh, a hundred percent. Yes. Being okay with with kind of planning as you go because like okay, twenty six, totally know that I'm not like a wise soul or anything like that. Totally still learning all the time, every day. Yeah. Mostly an idiot, right? But like I've already had a major like career change and like I've felt like a quarter life crisis kind of thing just because it's like major call and like you know something just dropping in my lap and I remember like I still had to interview and I remember like it was actually it was interviewing for youth ministry position and I knew at that point like I knew it was mine yeah and I remember in the interview one of our deacons like looked at me and was like okay but but why this feels like out of left field for like your background because like yeah. I have a bachelor's degree in early childhood education. Mm. I have a master's degree in professional writing yeah. and I worked in marketing as a project manager for a little over a year. So you switched so out I, of that into youth ministry? Yes. Oh wow. That's awesome. But I was on a core team for seven years and it yeah. was just one of those things, you know? And so like, he asked me that and I was like, okay, but like also everything has fit so perfectly and kind of like, you know, kind of went into a little bit more detail about the story. But like after that, he just kind of looked at me and was like, how do you get that already? And I was just Mm. like, I had to pray through this this nonsense that nothing made sense, Yes, you know? And thankfully I have those adults. Like I said, my parents who were just like openly like, look like you don't have to have it figured out. You don't. And you're not going to have it figured out. Yes. This is the thing. This is the thing with public school is that we get in this, we get in this like, okay, I have to go to the next grade and then the next grade and I'm going down a track and a path. And, and it makes you think once you leave college that like, if you don't have your track already figured out that you're like a loser, that you're, you're wasting time, you're a waste of time. Like, and you're not, you're just gaining skills. You're just growing. You know, the number of people, if you look at um, a lot of CEOs that started companies, a lot of them start these massive companies in their forties and fifties. Like they didn't, they didn't yes. find their thing. They didn't find their company. They didn't find until they're in their forties and fifties and all their life experience had just like led up to that moment. Cause man, when you're 30, you're still young. When you're 40, you're young. When you're 50, you're young. Oh, yeah. So yeah, that's well, good and advice. I think also like my, I, st- I still use my degrees every day. Yeah. A hundred percent. You know, I have to market and I have to write and I have to do things like that. Like, for youth ministry. A hundred percent. None of that was a waste, you know, but like, I definitely had to learn how to let go of yep. like all of those quote unquote plans that I made that were so solid for my life Yeah, because it was like, no, like this is so much richer than what I thought I was. So like, no, I'm not making the money I thought I was going to make with a master's degree. You know, like, no, I'm not doing any of the things that I thought I would be doing at like 26, but I'm also like living the life that's fulfilling. Yes. And you're happy. So so much more so like yeah you know 20s are crazy but like they're also they can be awesomely like just so fulfilling and satisfying and just full of growth what was that last part oh you broke up oh sorry about that i just said i'm learning how to accept growth 
and just like, yes. I think that's it. You know, 20s are growth and I think it's awesome. It yes. Hurts, but it's, awesome. it's growth. And you know what? There's some people out there that like, you know, when they turned six, they were like, I want to be a doctor. And then for the rest of their life, they became a doctor. And that's great. And some people like, God bless you. You know, see you on your way, sir. That's amazing. But for a lot of us, we just have to like, I think we have to give ourselves the freedom and the grace to be like, you know what? I'm trying things. I'm, I'm figuring out what I like and I'm learning skills. And so if you're just like trying to find, you know, follow your passions, but also learn skills and also just try to figure things out. I mean, it's all going to work out, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Someone said on Instagram, David said Moses was 40 when he started shepherding Jethro's sheep, 80 when he led Israelites out of Egypt. God calls when God calls, stay in his presence and all is Gucci. (laughs) And you know what? Amen. And you know what? And he was still young at eighty because they lived to be like a hundred back or a thousand back right. then. So, hey, Very thanks weird. for calling in, Cassie. You're the best. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Edmund. Yeah, talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Uh, we got another call. I'm gonna make. We're running low, but that was good advice. Cassie's the best. Um, what was one of this advice down here I had? Um, learn skills. I'm glad Cassie called in because this is what. This is what I wish I would have told myself. It is okay. It is totally okay to be a jack of all trades, master of none. In fact, actually, that that's amazing. That is amazing. Like, sure, if so, some people, you, sh- you should definitely try to find one thing to get really good at over a long period of time. But don't ever let, I, I, wish, I, I wish I would have just had the confidence to be like, I do not care if people tell me that it's a waste of time to get good at this one thing. First of all, because when you learn, like, the skill of learning skills is a skill. Put that on a t-shirt. The skill of learning skills is a skill. So in your 20s, like give yourself free, like learn photography, learn, dabble with video, learn how to make Snapchat geo filters, learn how to like, tra- you know, do penny trading of stocks or something. Like give yourself some freedom to do that. And when people are like, why are you spending all this time in this? Just know that you're building a skill. Like if you're one of these weird people that, that doesn't want to just sit down and watch TV and does want to explore. Like, I, like, I don't know. This is my fun time. Like I love doing this. I love the learning skills, learning how to live stream, learning how to do this. Like it's fun. It's, it, but it also uh, gets me energized. Learning, learning new skills is a skill and people are going to find that weird. Uh, people that spend a lot of time, doing other, like, feel like, why don't you just relax? Like, why don't you just, you know, you're, it's a waste of time. Like, you're never going to, never going to get super good at photography. You can never, whatever, man. If you're excited about learning some skill, if you want to go work somewhere for five years on something that seems not out of, outside of the realm of your career, your career. The other thing that a lot of people don't think about is when you have a very interesting career path, a lot of times you are much more uniquely situated for a unique job. So this guy that knows math and theology, there might be a really weird job that he might only be, he might be better, he might stand out, right? Whereas everyone else that wants to be a youth minister does catechetics, theology, youth ministry minor, right? Well, maybe he does, maybe he does math, theology, and goes and interns with someone else for two years, and then suddenly he has this, like, he can go to a Catholic science camp, right? Anyways, um, we're going we're gonna to make a surprise call. To my good friend, here we go. Let's see if this works. There you go. If you're just joining on Instagram, put your phone number in the uh, in the comments here, and uh, and I'll give you a call. Hello. Hello, Connor. 
Dude, am I on the show? Dude, welcome to the show with Edmund Mitchell, the best, semi-Catholic. Freaking yes. Today's your day, Connor. Today's my day. Where are you at right now in the world? Dude, I am at the top of a mountain in Alaska drinking a gin and tonic. No way. That is what I'm doing. Dude, why are you in Alaska? I've been seeing you on Instagram all in Alaska. Is it for some? T- it's for an event, right? Yeah, so I uh, they brought me out to do a concert uh, last night to kick off their um, the Dias and Young, Young Adult Conference, and then I gave a workshop today during the actual conference. Dang, that's awesome, man. Yeah, so during the, the conference was kind of this morning through the afternoon, gave my workshop in the afternoon, took off. I did a two-mile hike up this mountain, and they have a little, a little like a, kind of lookout restaurant place at the top and wow. I'm hanging out for a little bit and then taking in the view and then I'm going to head back and they're kind of doing like an evening session tonight. So dang, that's awesome. So Chris Padgett was like just there and then, and then the next day he's in Denver and you're in Alaska. Oh man, what was he doing here? I have no idea, but I think you guys, I think, uh, maybe they kicked Chris out and they were like, let's try Let's try you <laughs> dude. So on oh, I- what? I would have lost my mind if I would have run into Chris Padgett in Alaska. <laughs> that would have been the best. Um, so the episode is about surviving your twenties, and I have a long list yeah. of, of like just different little tips and advice. But what what would you? We've kind of talked about some of these things. I feel like we go back and forth yeah. in some of our phone calls about like we kind of pump each other up with advice that I think we would right. have wanted to give ourselves when we were twenty. But what's some For stuff? Sure. What's some stuff that you would uh, you you think that is important to survive your twenties? How old are you again, Connor? I turned 30. Okay. Strong 30. So, you got a strong, a strong 30. You still got that strong chin at 30. That's great. Dude, strong chin. And I'm telling you, I'm way more excited about my 30s than I was my 20s. So let that let the record show yeah. that I'm just I'm just getting going, but Tell um, the folks, tell the folks I, at home. Yeah, I would I would honestly I would say and I just my workshop was on this today, but I would say um what plagued me the most in my 20s was uh, comparison, mm. Hand, hands down across the board, curiosity, comparison, complacency, complacency, all those things, yeah. um, just wrecked my twenties. I worried way too much about what other people were doing, uh, which caused me to be complacent. Um, I was way too curious about other people's lives via social media, things like that. Um, was it people and, older than you or just people at your same age that you were like, I should have the things that this person has, or I should have my stuff together the way this person has. Kind of, I mean, everything. Older, yeah. same, younger. I mean, you look at people like from a from a musician's perspective, people in the secular culture, like you have 17, 18 year olds, even younger. I mean, six, 15, 16 who are popping and making millions off of overnight songs. You know, yeah. so you're like, what am I doing wrong? And then yeah. you have people who've been hustling forever, but you never saw their hustle. So they, they break through at 35 and you're like, oh man, how are they doing that? And, um, you know, or people your same age who are finally making it or, or, you know, doing what they want to be doing. And, uh, you just, you never, you know, they're all people that you never saw the journey, Yeah. you know? And, um, and so I would just get so down on myself and I look back on, especially in my early twenties thinking, man, if I had the heart in my early twenties that I have now, and if I had, um, the clarity of what God wants for my life, Mm. then that I do now, uh, man, I would have been a game changer. Dang, dude. You know, I, and it, I mean, I can look, I can look back and be like God's time, and you know, obviously trust Him in all of it. But, um, man, yeah, I, it would, it would have totally changed the game if I could have been as united with what I know God's promises for my life now than 
that makes sense. So how would you have convinced yourself? I think about this a lot. Like, like, so you're, you're sitting, like you, you come into the room and Connor's there, you know, you're talking to yourself at 20 and, and Connor's like, man, but look at like all these other people, like they got this. And, and then you're like, look, man, like, what would you say? Because I know that I would immediately go, yeah, I know that. I know, I know. <laughs> You'll be like, how would you, how would you convince yourself of that? Yeah, that's, dude, that's a great question. Um, I don't know. I don't think I can, I don't think I could convince myself in the moment because I, I mean, here's a perfect example. Freshman year of college, I remember being at Franciscan, being in the tower room in the corner of the JC, yeah. um, student center for those of you who haven't had the pleasure of, uh, visiting <laughs> campus. Yeah. And, um, I remember a senior walked in and we're hanging out and he was just giving me some perspective on like being a student at Franciscan. And he said, Hey, just so you know, you will not have the same friends your senior year that you do now. Yeah. And I just like laughed at him cause I was like super tight with my freshman year friends. Yeah. And sure enough, senior year rolls around and I, I literally, I mean, I knew all of the people, but there were none of the people that I hung out with. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if I could convince myself, honestly. Um, because when I was 21, 22, 23, even like post college, you know, mid twenties, I was like, you know, you think you kind of made it right. Yeah. Yeah. First job trying to kill it in the game, made it through college. Um, so I, I guess my answer is kind of sad, but I don't know if I could have convinced myself. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard. It's a tough, like the whole, like going back in time thing is really tough. But I think, I think what I would have tried to tell myself is like, like, especially maybe after my first year of youth ministry or after my first year, like out in the world, I think I would have just told myself, look, man, like you're fretting so much about picking the right decisions that like, like no one cares. Like no one, like, like this is just 10 years of showing up. Just do something for 10 years of showing up. And just like, I wish I would have said what's more important is consistency. Just like show up, just show up every day. Like, on social, like I wish I would have showed up more. And what little showing up I did um, on social media or in other people's lives or like mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. skills that I was learning, it's like I was fretting so much about the comparison about well they got it figured out or they got this figured out or these right. pe- these people are going to think this if I start trying this. And um, I had a little bit of that not caring, but I didn't have enough. And so I think I would have told myself like, look, like what you what you're trying is really good. And the people that are giving you advice to like, not worry about that. Like they're not going to care. They're not going to be around in 10 years. And in 10 years, you're going to have 10 right. years of that 10 years of building, building this thing. And you're going to feel just yeah. as young, just as young as you feel now. Right, man. Yeah, that's good. I would, I totally, I totally agree with that. I think too, I would, have. I mean, I know this sounds so cliche, but I would have like, I would have told myself to pray more. Mm. Yeah. You know, I, I'm going to, it's the first thing to go, but it's the first thing that changes everything, you know? And I just, I just recently, I've just recently have had a whole reconviction, um, of not just prayer in general, general, but, um, like specific prayer over, you know, what, what God's, God's plan is in the things that I'm pursuing and things like that. And I just don't think, I mean, I know we can't do it without him. Um, you get lost in the hustle sometimes, which is a good, it's a good thing, but, um, well, dude, here's my, Here's my version of this that I was going to say today, but I want I want your advice on this. While you're still, how much of your gin and tonic do you have left? <laughs> I'm still on the first one. So okay, right. so <laughs> I'm still on the first one. So what I was going to say, one of my things I wrote down here was, 
ask yourself, what do you want to be doing every day or every week or every month that you would look back on in 10 years? So it's kind of like going off of that. I don't know how to say this exactly right, but like that whole 10 year mindset, I wish I would have, I wish I would have been proactive about planning like, okay, after five years, what do I want to look back on and say, I did these things every day, or I did these things every week, or I did these things every month. And like, Mm -hmm. and like prayer would definitely be one. And I think prayer, reading and writing, and probably, probably exercise for weekly. But like, yeah, I wish I would have went back and said, look, like, you're going to live a long life. So why don't we just focus, like be proactive. Like, what do you want to do for at least 15 minutes every day? And I wish I would have just been like, man, prayer, reading and writing like every single yeah. day because 10 years goes by fast, man. And just Dude, doing, so, just doing 10 so minutes fast. of reading every day for 10 years. Like shoot. Yeah. I would, I, if I would have just focused on that consistency every day, just like, what do you want to look back on and say, I did this every day. And maybe for some people it's, you know, spending 10 minutes sitting down with, with no distractions with your wife or calling your mom every right. week or something. Like, I wish I would have been proactive about what life do I want to look back on and be like, man, I did this every day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I w- yeah, I would have said, as a songwriter, I would have said, right. Mm. I mean, I only committed to daily writing, like legit, like a half hour of songwriting every day, probably last year, Dang, you dude. know? And so that's awesome. And I, and I wrote like a lot, you know, I, I like would get inspired and I would write or I would write on the weekends or I would put in my time, but just like, there's nothing like, you know, don't tell me you're a songwriter until you're literally writing every day, you know, until Dude. the pen's hitting the paper every day. And, um, you know, but now that you say that, you know what I would have said to myself is I would have said believe to what I would have said, believe in yourself more. Oh yeah. 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 That's a good one. You know, because I like, you have, you have this dream and you have a big vision, but at 21, 22, it's like, it's still very much a dream and you're not surrounded by people who are pushing you or encouraging you in it. Like you have friends who kind of champion you a little bit at school or whatnot. But, um, I don't know. I just remember like coming out of school and trying to, you know, do the music thing and you're just kind of alone in it. And you're just like, I mean, I, I, I did believe in it, but I just imagine if I would have poured more of myself into it, you know, I kind of like, were like, I was like halfway in, you know? Yeah. Um, I think it would have done, it would have built that foundation that much more quick. Yes. Quickly. I think, I think, uh, if, for- I think, I think I would have told myself like, like, look, if you're, if you're deciding, if you really want to decide to do something abnormal, then you can't be surprised that everyone around you thinks it's weird. Right. And like, the sooner you commit to it, the sooner it's going to break through. Yes. Yeah. Like I, I, you know? I, yeah. And I, I wish I would just been like, look, man, you gotta, like, if you're, if you have this thing inside of you that's telling you to do something, then you can't get hung up when everyone around you thinks it's weird and you have to just commit yourself to proving, maybe you don't want to prove to yourself and them, but like to, to put in enough work over five or 10 years that you finally see the fruit of that. But like, you're, you can't be surprised and listen when people say like, man, how do you have time for this? Why are you doing this? Like why you're Mm -hmm. becoming, you're becoming a Jack of all trades, you know, like, like you should just stick to something. Um, yeah. And you just have to know that like people, people are going to, especially because people, when you start, and we've talked about this a lot, when you start saying big, bold things uh, that you want for yourself, everyone around you feels the pressure on them whether they know mm. it or not, they feel like you're saying that they should be unsatisfied. Even if you're not saying that, even if you're like, no, 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 like 
I don't care. Like this is the whole Gary Vaynerchuk thing. I don't care if you watch fo- football, you know, three hours a day. It just like I, if I don't want that, like you can't you can't be mad at me for not wanting that, right? Right, right, dude. Yeah, and I think too. I would say um, another thing I would say to myself is, uh, for the lack of a better way to say this, respect your elders. Mm. Um, you know, I think it's so easy to critique people you know, who are on a stage or in a place of influence when you're trying to be there. And I just did it out of ignorance, right? It's easy to be like, Oh, well I could have probably done that better. Or, yeah, you know, they missed the mark on that point or that talk was bad or that performance was off, you know? And, yeah. um, man, now that I'm on, you know, I, I'm not where I want to be yet, but now that I'm on the other side of some of that, it's like, dang, man, I like, <laughs> it's hard. Two year old Connor would be really critical of what I'm doing. From <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. You know, he'd be judging the crap out of me. So I just, if I, you know, I would just say, like, just learn from people. Like, you have not got it figured out. Just, like, learn from people. Ask more questions, you know, um, because it's just so easy to step back and 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 just critique and never learn. Yeah. Know? Yeah, and, and uh, you have this feeling inside of you of, like, this good taste. You're like, man, I have this good taste. Like, I think I could do this talk better, do this performance better, or play the thing better, and, like, this or whatever this thing needs to exist and but i think a lot of times i would i would take a year to plan it all out in my head instead of just failing as quickly as possible and learning as quickly as possible dude yes absolutely yeah sweet man dude well i hope you enjoy your uh what are you drinking a gimlet a gin and tonic no a gin and tonic what's that called gin, i guess just gin well and tonic. It's, it's actually it's it's called a, a trail run and okay. it's a um bourbon barrel aged gin with soda water uh an orange garnish and like a a blueberry liqueur as well that sounds delicious i bet it's even more delicious at the at the altitude you're at dude it's amazing and the mountains here are just like out of this world i wish i could show you guys a picture of it i'll I'll text you a picture maybe that'll make the episode of the of the show at some point okay that'll be the cover art maybe hey yo okay dude thanks connor yeah, man. Peace. Talk to you later. Bye. Dude, Connor Flanagan bringing it in hot. If you're just joining us on Instagram Live, we have a few minutes left of battery power. Um, we're talking about surviving your 20s. If you're on Instagram Live, you can put in your phone number in the comments and we'll give you a phone call. Hopefully, you guys can hear the people that are calling in. But um, right now, we're going to call David. Here we go, David. Man, good advice. Good conversations. This is fun. We're going to try to do this more often, I think, because this is really great. Calling David here. David's a huge fan of the show. Great guy, David. David. What's up? What's up? David, you're on the show. What's up? How you doing, man? Good, brother. How are you? Dude, where are you calling in from? Uh, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Where in Pittsburgh? Uh, in North Pittsburgh, uh, Westford. Okay. It's kind of quiet. I'm having a hard time hearing you. Do you have me on some type of Bluetooth headset? No, uh, can you hear me now? Yeah, dude. So, David, we've interacted, I think, a bit on on social media, but give me some, give everyone some context. Of, like, where are you from? What are you doing? What are you up to? What are you excited about? For sure, yeah. Uh, born and raised Bel Air, Maryland. Uh, served a year at Net Missionaries. Uh, first year at their Plano team in Texas. Oh, um, nice. Then went, then uh, went to Franciscan, finished up my uh, my undergraduate there for two years in communication arts. Worked for Steubenville conferences for for a little while, and then. Uh, a youth ministry job in Pittsburgh. Awesome, dude. And so you're in youth ministry now. What year are you in? <laughs> Probably 
first year. Just got hired in January. Sweet. That's awesome, dude. Congrats. Yeah, it's it's, it's been fun having to build a program from the ground up, even without a youth minister for the last two years at this parish. The old youth minister is uh, Andy Lesnevsky. Lesnevsky, the Lesnevsky brothers. Yeah. That's cool, man. So, dude, what? What? So, how old are you right now? Uh, twenty-five. Twenty-five. How do you feel about being twenty-five? Like being twenty-four. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best. Que- that's the that's the best answer to that. Did yeah, you? Man, it's, it, it's good. I mean, it's, it's a fun. It's a fun time. You know, just, uh, I, I've been following you, what you guys been talking about on uh, tonight and everything, and definitely resonating with a lot of stuff. I'm just trying to. You get out of college and you're like, "Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? No, where am I supposed to be going?" Yeah, man, kind of, kind of thing. And dude, did you? Yeah, just kind did, of, did kind you of have surviving on prayer? Did you have a question, or did you want to? Did you want to spit some advice at our audience here? Yeah, no, 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 no. I, I actually actually do have a question. Okay. Um, uh, Either is so fine. I, Either is fine. <laughs> well, well, maybe we'll just play off, play off it then. But let's do it. My uh, a, a book I've been reading, um, I've been obsessed with the last two years is uh, called "Rooted" by Banning Leapshire. Okay, yeah, tell me about this. Jesus culture. Yeah. yeah, he's the founding pastor of Jesus culture. And he okay. talks about how, uh, you know, basically, uh, if you look in Scripture, God gives people calls, but then it, it's not overnight that those things happen. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. Moses was, was called to deliver the people out of Egypt, but it was 40 years after he felt, you know, the urge to, to leave Egypt that then God, you know, set, set him in, in path there and then, yeah. You know, with Elijah, with Jesus, you know, Jesus 33 years before ministry, uh, 30 years before ministry started. Yeah. Um, but specifically talks about David and how David was anointed to be king, but then went, went out and basically, you know, had to, you know, live a life of prayer and, and service and in community before he even became king. Yeah. And, um, you know, just that, 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 that trial there. So one of the things that he, he mentions and when I, when I was, wanted to ask you, he, uh, he says an, an advice that I got from an older pastor. Now, these guys are Protestants, so uh, yeah. you know, just taking that into context. Um, he said he asked an older pastor, "So, what's one thing that you would uh, tell your young your younger self or a younger pastor?" He said, "Don't rush the process. Mm. You know, being being okay with um, you know being excited for where God has you at that time." But what have you found? You know, working in ministry, working in you know different fields, where maybe you see something that needs it. You feel really convicted of a change. How do you balance something that is, I feel victi- convicted of a change here, but I'm not in a place where I can make that change. So do you, is this, are you talking about like at your parish or are you talking about like in the world? Uh, yes. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Ministry perspective. I mean, we talk about this all the time, you know, it's just, it's the common evangelization stuff of like, you know, we, we need to do this, we need to do that, we need to change this, change that. How do you like? Uh, what's been something maybe that you you've seen and experienced in? All right, this is a time to be obedient. This is a time you know where I can step in, or um, maybe just an experience where you have really like I felt really convicted of of this and how you you know went went through that change, but all change, making a change in your in ministry, yeah, or how how things were being done. I don't know if I'm making sense. No, 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 dude, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, it's man. something that I wrestle with all the time. It's just like I'll be here in a cinema week, you know. Yeah, it'll be something, you know, something stupid. Like I really think that maybe we should have prayer meetings, you know, at the at the parish. But no one seems open to that. But yeah. it'd be a really good opportunity for growing people in, you know, have, having 
people praying, yes, actually praying. Yes. Something, something, you know, silly like that. Dude, no, um, I, I get you, man. No. Um, I've had a lot of, you know, so the first parish I went to did not have a super huge established youth ministry. And then the parish I'm at now, you know, there was definitely an established youth ministry, but it was very different. And so mm-hmm. at both parishes, I really, you know, there was a lot of times where there's change you're seeing that's outside of your influence that, or there's, there's things that you think should change that are outside your influence that you're frustrated with. Um, or there's things you see that you could influence. And, um, for me, what really helped and there were many times, you know, I was really fortunate to have a, a coworker that was a youth, another youth minister or just other coworkers. There were many times where we had to say, okay, look, uh, we feel like the parish, this thing should change in the parish. Um, we don't have influence or control over that. So what we're going to do is just, like, and we would say this to each other, be like, look, we just heads down and we just have to kick ass. And <laughs> that's yeah. a weird way of no, saying fair. that. It's a weird way of saying that. But, and I don't mean that in like a secular perspective of like, we just have to be successful. I guess for us, it was like, all right, they're doing that. And if we really believe that, that is not what the Lord wants for the, this parish, or we really believe that that's bad for ministry, or we really believe, then we're going to have long-term mindset here and we're going to put our heads down and we're going to do it right in our sphere of influence. So, um, you know, if you have a pastor that's maybe making, uh, admit like not praying enough with their staff, then we would just, I mean, we would just double down on praying with our volunteers or we would double down as a department of like, okay, well our parish staff isn't getting together and talking about planning and vision. So we're going to get so good with our volunteers about planning and vision. Um, so I think like there are ways that you can make, you can, uh, the, the other thing I'd say is like, I would take small bets. So you might not be able to go all in, on parish wide staff prayer, but maybe you could ask for just like a small bet or a small, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a small experiment or a small, maybe you, um, maybe you take all, yeah, yeah, little, little tests here and there. And maybe, maybe it's just like a little bit and you just think long-term and that you're, you can proof out your idea in your spheres of influence. So if you're, if your idea is like, man, as a parish, we really need to be going on, like for instance, at our parish, I was I we were seeing like a lot of dysfunction and disunity between a lot of the different ministries and a lot of the different staff members and stuff, and we didn't really have a way. We kind of brought it up, but there's no real way to get everyone on the same page. Well, we just started saying, okay, well then we're going to start meeting on a weekly basis, and we're going to have really really efficient weekly staff meetings internally with our three coworkers, mm-hmm. and we're going to proof this out long enough. And we're going to do it well enough that people are going to start seeing it and noticing it and wanting it in other areas of the parish. Does that make sense? Mm, No, absolutely. So like uh, same thing with a mission statement. There was one point in time where like I really wanted our parish to have like a revamped mission statement and to really get focused. And then out of nowhere, our pastoral council came out with a weird mission statement that I thought was stupid. And it was so deflating. (laughs) It was like, oh, my gosh, like. There's no way for me to influence this. This needs to change. This is an awful mission statement. And so we just had this moment where we came together, just me and two other coworkers. And I was like, you know what? This mission statement's not going to last. They're not going to, it's not, it's not going to be effective. So we just need to heads down and our mission statement internally, like we're still going to respect what they're doing. We're going to be the the best followers of, of the, of the orders that our leaders are giving, but heads down internally, we're going to have a much better culture around a much more compelling mission and vision. And eventually the pastor was like, Hey, you know, your mission for your youth ministry. I really like that statement. We're going to make that the mission statement for the whole parish. 
Mm. And that happened. (laughs) Like, so I think like you you can make these small bets and um, in the short term. And sometimes you just have to have heads down and be like, you know what? Like, we're just going to do this. uh, And, and think in that long-term mindset that like, you know what, if I really believe in this, it's going to last. You know what I mean? I don't know if that helps. Yeah. Does that help at all? No, no, no. It it it, def- it definitely does. And, and I would just you know kind of I, I I think I'm um, I'm following you quite well. But maybe just thinking in you know some other people who are you know who are listening to this. Yeah. You know, saying well, well, Edmund, how do I discern what's the difference between my desires and God's calling? Because that what if what if I'm at odds with the parish, and um, how do I know if that's me or if that's God? You know, how, like, mm. how would you, you know, um, yeah, so I have, I, I would, I'm just saying from someone who, you know, who does spend time in, in prayer and, you know, can discern and, you know, often not a hundred percent fold, but, you know, uh, really seek the Lord's word and wisdom and, and, and in counsel and in obedience and everything with, with others to, uh, to know what God is saying. But maybe there's, maybe there's people who say like, that's all great, but how do I know if this is me or if this is God? Yeah. So that's, that's a good question. I think, again, I think there's a way for you. I think what I used to do in my twenties is I would get this, this unrest, something needs to change this, this vision for a new, a new future. And so I wouldn't know whether or not it's from God. Maybe I'm praying through it. Maybe I think maybe it is from God, but the the thing about discernment is you at some point have to take a step out and take a small little, a small little bet. You have to say, okay, I think this might be from God. So let's take a little bet instead of like, what I used to think when I was like, when I was younger was like, well, no, if this needs to change, we just need to go all in 110%. And I think what, what the advice I would give is like, are there ways that you could take a small chance on it and then discern how that went discern? Um, I had a coworker once, uh, this sister, sister of, um, the Holy Trinity. I think I forget the order, but she said, you know what, Edmund, you really need to just follow grace. Like you try things and then you just follow grace. And I think there are ways you can take little bets. And uh, I know that when I first got into ministry, I was like really, really convicted about like, man, the charismatic dimension of the church, we need to really bring that to parishes. And like, why are we not? And I'd get frustrated. And I would think about it for so long. And I'd be so intimidated about what the first step is. But I was like, it needs to change. And uh, instead, when you start taking little risks and little chances, like, okay, well, what, what happens if I try to explain this to just one person instead of getting in front of the whole parish and getting in front of the pastor? Well, then you start finding like, okay, it's not as easy as it seems. And maybe, right. and then maybe that is, maybe it was just my personal spirituality that I, I wasn't praying through and I, I, I missed the mark there. I thought God was calling me to bring it to the whole parish, but really I was just personally really convicted to grow in that dimension. Um, so again, I think there's like, I think especially when you're in your twenties, you're, you're, you're afraid about taking those little small chances and you keep it all up in your head. And the quicker you can get to, to trying something and failing and then trying the next thing, I think that's a good way to discern. I don't know. What do you think, David? What would you say? No, I, I definitely, I definitely agree there. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I, I, I find a lot too. Um, that was, that was interesting that you said with, with regards to, uh, charismatic stuff that just my, um, Whenever I come into prayer, I try and talk to literally, you know, definitely like tell me. But then I find that whenever I give my testimony or I'm like, you know, talking to people and, share, and sharing my testimony, things that come out of my prayer life tend to also resonate with where other people are at. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. Which, you know, which I, which I find is, find is very interesting. And, and, and I kind of use that as, you know, 
use that as a, as a check, like, Lord, is this, you know, the direction, you know, things that we need to focus on, um, and stuff, but no, I, 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 you know, I, I definitely get that, but how that, how that can also be perceived as I'm projecting my own, uh, my own desires, my own spot onto other people. Yeah. So Um, you just, you just got to test it, you know, like just test it in places. Just like if you feel like the Lord's calling your entire parish to start serving, uh, the homeless that are, you know, across the street in your neighborhood, you don't have Mm -hmm. to, you don't have to hype yourself up for months about going in and pitching the pastor, this full three-year plan, right? Right. Start doing it and see if the Lord starts yeah. blessing just those small actions or start just like, just give yourself 20 minutes once a week to, to go start doing that or to talk to one person about it or to, and, um, you know, just like those little actions of like, okay, Lord, like how can I step out in a little way? Now, granted, there are also some times where people need to be encouraged to take big actions of faith. But I think at the, mm-hmm. at the beginning, while you're prayerfully discerning this until you have that strong conviction that like, okay, like if, if the Lord's asking something huge, then yeah. But I think there are little, little tiny ways that you can kind of test that and see. Uh, I remember hearing Andy Stanley say um, that if you have a vision for something like a new ministry or a new uh, endeavor or something that you, sh- he, he actually said, don't tell anyone about it for like a year. And he said, the reason he tells people this is because a lot of times um, those things will fade after a few months and you have mm. to really test like if it's really, really big, you have to test this conviction. You have to test this. And I right. thought that was interesting advice. I don't know that that's, you could just apply that to everyone, but the point there is like, you have to test these things. You know, you have to, that's what discernment is about. Is this going to stand the test of time? Is this, is this just me in a, like a manic stage of my life? Right. Yeah. Well, that, that's interesting because, uh, programs like Christ life and alpha, um, I mean, they ask you to, to not even start, start that, that program at your parish until a year. Yeah. After you've decided to do it. Yeah. You know, take a, take a year to actually, you know, plan this thing out Prepare. before you, before you run it. Yeah. Um, man. cause there's a lot that goes into it. And if you can't meet, you know, meet that, you know, those, re- those requirements, uh, even, you know, even as, as baseline as they are, um, as you can get them, uh, it, 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 it's, it's a time of, you know, of, of prayer, of, of discernment, of, um, you know, is this going to be even a good fit? Is this, is this practical? Okay. This, yeah. this looks like it's going, this looks like it's going to work. Um, now how do we sustain it afterwards? Because like those, you know, that, you know, where do we go from here as people start to show growth? That's very, yeah, that's, that's really wise. hundred percent, man. Well, dude, David, thanks for calling in. Absolutely. Anything else you want to, anything else you want to tell, tell everybody before the, before you sign off here? See you next time. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, David. You're the man. Take care. He's not really. Bye. Oh man, this was fun, guys. This was fun. I hope this audio is. I've been messing with the board a lot, but uh, closing thoughts here. No one cares. <laughs> ten year mindset, guys. You got to be in the like. You got to think like in ten years, man. You're gonna you're not gonna remember your neighbors who thought this wasn't a good idea, or your friends who thought this was. You know, um, you really have to go internal. And think in that 10-year mindset, trust your intuition. What else? I mean, I just got a bunch of advice. I don't know. I'm just dumping a bunch of advice because now I'm an old man just doling out advice. Um, we talked about some good things. Um, what do you want to be doing every day? We didn't even get into finances stuff. This is like, here's the last thing. Uh, in your 20s, man, you want to be focusing much more on now, I definitely think you you do have to get your budget under control a little bit. You can't be stupid and just spending all of your money. 
But I think, um, you know, focus half of your, if you're going to, if you have like, imagine you have a certain amount of time that you're focusing a certain amount of time and energy, you're focusing, worrying about your finances, like worrying, like, Oh, I'm worried about, worried about my bills, worried about my finances, worried, you know, I need to budget and this and that. I would spend half of that time, whatever amount of time that is, I would spend half of that time thinking about how to generate income and then spend the other half or the other 20% or 10% on saving income. That's another piece of, I wish I would have told myself that earlier. I wish it was, and I wish I would have told myself it's, that's okay. Like you're going to live a long time and it's, you know, some of these things, some of these things I was focusing on trying to figure out what are other ways I can generate income. They take a long time to figure them out. They take a long time to build extra skills or to figure out how to do client work or to figure out how to do those things. Think about how other ways, other unique ways you can generate income and not just saving income. Uh, so I highly recommend Ramit Sethi's, uh, I will teach you to be rich, which sounds like an obnoxious book, but just getting into that kind of look up some of that stuff, just kind of, kind of speed read some of it or just breeze through some of it. But he, he has some good ideas on like, like think about ways you can generate income and not just get falling into the trap of constantly penny pinching because a lot of times finding unique ways to generate income does require, you got to spend money to make money, right? does require a little bit of investment up front at times. Uh, another thing I really wish I would have told myself is, uh, client work, a very quick way to, um, to, you know, check a lot of these boxes, right? Learning a skill, getting a mentor, generating extra income is client work. And it's way easier. I mean, I I was really intimidated by that. I thought that was impossible to just reach out to someone and say, Hey, like, I want to work for you. Like, I want to work for you at a, at a really reasonable rate because I want to, I want to grow in some skills uh, here's what, and the worst people could say is no, but there's a lot of people out there that, um, people are busy. And if you can come to them and say, Hey, look, like, think about how many times you sign up, you sign up for some service or something. That's like 10 or 20 bucks a month, uh, 30, 40 bucks a month. Um, because it's going to give you something in return. It's going to give you more time. It's going to give you more, whatever that thing is. People are busy, but also, um, you'd be surprised how many people are willing to, pay you to help them. And in return, you might, you might gain experience, skill. Anyways, it's just another random, uh, fail fast. I also have, have down here, invest in yourself, invest in yourself towards your thirties. Oh, here's another thing. I think everyone should do this. I think within reason, you should have no budget towards, uh, any books that you buy that are in, that are an investment in yourself that are like self-improvement and not just like self-help like those like cheap self-help help books but if you're trying to learn something if you're trying to like grow in some type of skill if you're trying to grow in some area if there if there's a book that that meets a certain criteria for that that i think only you can figure out but there's a book that meets a certain criteria i you just you just have to you just have to set aside a budget for that you should have an unlimited budget for books i mean granted if you start having 200 books that you're not reading that's a problem but if you're going to I mean, a lot of these like business books and stuff, man, there's, there's a, I'm going to make a post at some point about books that, uh, books that definitely were like worth a hundred X the cost of the book. Um, but man, some of these books, man, are quick reads, quick reads and, and huge insights. Like, yeah, really, really helpful. So anyways, I wouldn't have a budget for those types of books and don't feel guilty about that because you're investing in yourself, right? 
Um, anyways, that's long enough. That's long enough, guys. Can't go much longer. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the show. Um, we're going to be launching, a, you know, a lot of these call-ins and questions have been about youth ministry. We're launching a Catholic youth ministry podcast. Me and my friend Nick Gutierrez, friend of the show, co-host of the show. Um, so you can check that out. You can go to CatholicYouthMinistryPodcast.com to check out that. Sign up to get on the wait list. Well, not wait list. Just sign up to hear more about it. Uh, also handing out a re- or giving out a resource uh, to youth ministers to help focus and plan. Anyways, thanks for being here, everybody. Thanks for calling in. This is gonna, this is an amazing episode. I think we're going to try to do some of this more often, maybe have more people on the show when we do these call-ins. Uh, it was really fun. Thanks for helping me test out the system. We'll talk to you later, guys. You know what? When you're 30, you're going to feel just as young as you feel now. And I'm sure, and I've talked to people in their 50s. You feel, you have a little more aches and pains, but mentally, you feel just as young. So, take care. I don't know how else to sign off on this. Here we go. Here's how we sign off. This is how we sign off. This has been the show with Edmund Mitchell, David, with Cassie, with Christian, with all of you on Instagram. Take care. Bye. Thank you.